Everton Football Club started life as Churchside St. Domingo's all the way back in 1878. It's a club with a proud history, one that's been crowned as Champions of England nine times and a side that's achieved cup success in both domestic and European football. The Toffees have just about stuck to their place in the top flight in recent seasons, but anger is rising among the fans. The collection of just one point from the first four games suggests it could be another long, hard season. The visit of Arsenal this Sunday might not make life any more pleasant. I'm Kevin Hatchard, and this is Football Only Better. Nothing unpleasant about my top tipping team, starting with Mark O'Hare. Mark, there's been talk this week of Everton pursuing takeover talks with a US-based outfit that has a number of European clubs on its books. But I would humbly suggest that joining the 777 partner stable would be somewhat concerning given the lack of success at some of the group's other clubs. It does all feel like a bit of a mess at the moment. It does. Um, it's it's kind of sad, really. Um, you've kind of built Everton up there as a really illustrious club in, in English football history, and that's absolutely bang on. They've not they've not been fantastic in in my lifetime. I, I remember the '95 FA Cup win, but by that it tends to be a a lot of struggling. Obviously, David Moyes had a a couple of fantastic years, um, but. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's not a nice place to be right now, and there's also a kind of argument to suggest for the current ownership uh, moving to to what's being speculated to that seven 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 group. Um, it's kind of out of the bonfire and into the furnace, really. Um, and it's a shame, really, for a club of Everton stature to be linked to a, a group in that way and just be another kind of satellite club, if you like. Clearly, they'll be the the main one because that's where the the riches are at at the minute in in the Premier League. But but that you see is what's the kicker, happening. isn't it? Because if you suddenly got a club that's part of a multi club group, it's kind of embarrassing when that happens, isn't it? Because then you're absolutely right; they would be the biggest club in that group but you're still part of a group. And when you're not seen as a going concern on your own by investors, that is a bit of a worry. Yeah, very much so. And look, it's very different in its own sort of way, but you can see what's happening in, in French football at the minute with Strasbourg and and their ownership and the, the fierce kind of bounce, uh, bite back from the fans and supporters, quite rightly, really, because Strasbourg yeah. are a huge club in France and, and to have them kind of as a bit of a feeder club now it, it kind of just it doesn't sit well and unfortunately that seems to be the way in which football is heading and you hope you'll be allowed no it should not be allowed no um and we hope something will be done about it but I'm, <laughs> I'm not going to wait around for that to happen it, it probably won't so um yeah it, it's it's sad uh, on the field for Everton at the minute I'm kind of tied myself in knots really with them this season because the rhetoric after the, the Sheffield United match was very much from the Everton contingent, but this was a big missed opportunity. And I think that's fair enough, really. But the same could be said about the home defeats to Wolves and Fulham, where they lost 1-0 and they were easily the better team on both occasions and still failed to score, failed to pick up a point. They were absolutely splattered at Aston Villa um, and still unable to beat a, a Blades team despite a promising effort. And we talked about them already. Um, Beto looks well capable of, of leading a line at this level. He's not going to score you 20 goals a season, but he does look like a decent stand-in for 
for Calvert-Lewin when he's absent. Um, I think the wingers that they have when they get fit and available could provide some service there. I like the, the central midfield options, even if they haven't been at the best so far. But what's really kind of stood out to me so far this season is this is a club who are managed by Sean Dyche, who traditionally is a, a head coach who will build from the back, put solid foundations in place. But the summer business weakens their defensive options. They brought in a 38-year-old left back and there's very little else. You know, Yeri Mina has gone now as well. There's, there's not a huge amount of options and ability there at the back. Um, you look at the back four that played against Sheffield United and throughout the season so far, individually and collectively, it's just not been working too well. Um, without a clean sheet, winless, struggling to score fluently. It's it's looking a bit bleak already, despite those promising performances. Uh, the, the issue is they've played Sheffield United, Fulham and Wolves, three teams you'd expect to be in the bottom half this season. Perhaps variance helps bounce back in their way this weekend, but it's going to be difficult. Um, you know, Everton fans all look towards their very strong home record against Arsenal. Um, they've won five and lost one of their last seven against the Gunners at Goodison Park. Uh, they beat them last year, of course, in Dyche's first fixture in charge. But kind of repeating that feat is going to be difficult. Um, Arsenal actually were slightly shorter to win that match last season than they are coming into this game this weekend. I didn't think they did a huge amount wrong in that 1-0 defeat. That's football sometimes. You just end up on the wrong side of things. And I expect a similar performance from the Gunners to what we saw away at Crystal Palace on that Monday night where they sort of ground out a victory, able to keep the opposition at arm's length for the most part. Because Arsenal have been terrific on their travels over the last 12 months. Um, 12 wins from 16 away against sides outside of the top five going back to the beginning of last season. Ten of those victories came alongside clean sheets and ten also arrived alongside under four and a half goals. And that is going to be my preferred play here. Arsenal to win and under four and a half goals. It increases the price from around 156 to to closer to 1.9. When you consider the range of correct scores that you'll have on your side, it does allow for an Everton goal if they were to score. Uh, But ultimately, I think Arsenal are going to be a little bit better week on week. Arteta played round pegs and round holes against United. It wasn't flawless by any stretch, but they looked a lot more comfortable going forward. We saw Gabriel Jesus return to full fitness before the international break. And I just think that midfield will improve week on week too. And defensively, they do look a little bit stronger too. And, and ultimately, what are Everton going to throw at them? It's going to be limited to set pieces and and what they can do in and off better if... Um, Calvert-Lewin is unavailable again. They've also got quite a long injury list too, so not too hopeful in Everton, even if I have been slightly impressed by some of their displays, but it has to be tempered by the opposition they've played against too. Data on Jake Oscarthorpe is on board once again. Jake, if you take Sean Deitch's whole reign, obviously he managed to keep them up last season. If you take the time that he's had from last season and the time he's had this season... Is it quite a grim picture or can you see at least a, a vague direction of travel? Um, I wouldn't say it's a grim picture, but I wouldn't say I can see a direction of travel either. So it's it's still on the fence. Uh, the underlying numbers have been okay. So the data paints a picture of a team that's probably going to finish 15th if they carry on the way in which they're going, maybe 16th. Um, they're still going to be in and around it. And since he took over last year, obviously the results weren't great. They did enough, just enough. Um, but yeah, from a actual playing perspective, I mean, I don't know. We've seen such a mishmash of approaches, which is very undyshian. Actually, he generally, you know, what you're going to get with his teams. They're going to sit deep, play on set pieces, play a bit of a not route one, but very direct. Um, and we've seen a bit of everything so far, which I think is, you know, it's a good thing. It shows some sort of adaptability, but it's also a bad thing in the sense that, you know. He, for, well, for, for a player, you know, you're having to change consistently depending on who you're playing against, whereas we've seen the success that you have when you have a set way of playing 
Um, yeah. And, you know, the likes of Villa, Brighton's, et cetera, even Burnley's that come up and you know exactly what you're going to get from them. Uh, and that makes life very easy for everybody in the football club. Almost like a philosophy, isn't it? Um, and, you know, from a punter's perspective, it also makes it quite difficult because, as I said on the Saturday show, um, when Everton went to play Sheffield United, many people would have seen that and gone, well, that, you know, that's going to be an unders all day long. You've got two teams who can't attack um, and two teams that play defence-first football. But it was completely different because both teams saw that as an opportunity to try and get three points on the board. So it was a little bit more expansive. This game, if we're following the same kind of thought path that adapt, they're going to be adaptable and they're going to switch approaches slightly, I've got them down as playing, you know, reverting to that Daishian defensive block looking to try and hit on the counter-attack. Um, I think that's the, the only way they're going to get a result in this game, personally. I think if they tried to go playing in, in an open manner as they did against the Blades, I think they will get picked off by Arsenal. And, um, and for whatever reason... I know there's been different managers in charge, but for whatever reason, whenever Arsenal have gone to Goodison Park recently, they've really struggled. I mean, they've not won in five, the last five visits to Goodison Park of Arsenal. Um, Everton have won four of them, which I think is remarkable. Whether that just shows you um, Arsenal have had a soft underbelly, they struggle to deal with the close proximity of the fans and the extra pressure that puts on them and maybe the, the, the physical nature of what Everton do. But the fact that that spans across three different managers or maybe even four um, I forget how many managers they've had to go through them like no tomorrow. But um, it really does say that, that Arsenal have some sort of struggle going there, whether it's mentally, whether it's they just don't deal with the physical demands. I'm not too sure. Um, so that that's a nagging doubt for me around taking Arsenal. Um, but I am going to be taking uh, a stance against goals in this one. Um, under three um, Asia, on the Asian goal line um, is around 1.8 on the exchange and that looks a good play to me um, I'm, like I say I'm very reliant on Everton playing a defence first approach and, and really making almost trying to stop Arsenal from playing as opposed to trying to win the game themselves but also on my side in this we've got an Arsenal team that have started the season very well defensively so I know they've, they've conceded a couple of goals but they're allowing less than one expected goal against per game which is a, a good start to the campaign and if they can sustain that over the course of the camp uh, of the season they would given their attacking process then they would be on pace to kind of match Manchester or get close to Manchester City yet again but also last se- uh, since since the start of last season Arsenal have played um 20 away games and 11 of them have gone under two and a half goals so 55% so they're just not very high scoring when they travel like Mark said the Crystal Palace away game earlier this season was a prime example where um it was it, they were in total control of the match. They were one little total control. Another sending off kind of made it a little bit more edgy than it should have been. But they, they just controlled the game, controlled the flow, controlled the pattern without absolutely going off like Man City can do, like we've seen City do to certain teams. Um, yeah. So, I, I, you know, if we'd have bet this, this under three goals in every Arsenal away game since the start of last season, we'd have had a, a winner 11 times and we'd have had a push three times. So we've only lost money six times. So we'd have been in profit. Um, and given the matchup and the potential tactical um, nuances that we're going to see and, and the mismatch of a team that want to play progressive football, want to be aggressive and score goals versus a team that's going to sit back and try and frustrate, then I'm more than happy to take the unders at that kind of price. 
Now, there's no doubt that injury time goals are a great source of drama in football, but those goals can be a pain in the pocket if they ruin your bet. So what we've done here at Betfair is introduced 90-minute payout. Now, when you bet on the results of a match, you can still win even if there's injury time drama. If the clock hits 90 minutes and you've got the right result as it stands, then your bet wins when the match ticks into injury time. T's and C's in the description, 18+. plus. See gambleaware.org. Bournemouth and Chelsea have somewhat stumbled out of the starting blocks this season. They meet on the south coast. Mark, I get the impression with the Cherries that not all of the players have yet bought into what Andoni Raiola is trying to do. Yeah, that, that might be um, a fair uh, assumption to make. My feeling is perhaps... You know, Bournemouth are going to bring chaos this season. I think we we knew that from the outset. Really, it's just that Andoni style. But um, there has it's been a really lot of like, high press, isn't it? Really aggressive, yeah, high press. Incredibly aggressive, and I think we saw that at Anfield as a, a great example where they've gone away to a big six team and showed no um, sort of signs of. You know, they were not timid at all. They were straight out of the out of the traps and, and trying to press and uh, and put Liverpool under pressure, and it, it worked to a great extent. Uh, they could have been three 0 up. You know, but ended up losing against 10 men. Um, they could have been 3-0 down against Brentford before the international break and they ended up leading and then failed to win. And, and that's going to be a bit of a theme, I think, about Bournemouth this season uh, under Iriola. They'll, they'll score goals, they'll concede goals, there'll be chaos, there'll be entertainment. And the, the one game I've been really disappointed with, I know Bournemouth were miles second best against Brentford, but the game I was really disappointed with was, was Spurs, actually, where I thought there was an opportunity there for them to to go for the jugular a bit and uh, they looked a little bit impotent at times and I think Spurs controlled that game superbly really um, but ultimately I think they will be fun to follow my sort of take of the early few games of Bournemouth is more perhaps it's taking time for players to adjust to this new style because the previous two coaches were so defensively minded and pragmatic it's a it's a sea change really in what they're having to do out of possession uh, and even in possession actually too and if you look at the team that played against Brentford they're basically bedding in two new fullbacks, uh, young fullbacks as well, two new central midfielders, uh, a central defensive partnership that played twice together last season. So there's going to be growing pains. Um, I'm hopeful that the long-term picture is is positive still. Um, I really hope he gets given that opportunity and things should hopefully improve when Tyler Adams comes back to full fitness, says yeah. I hope he might be available this weekend. Uh, Alex Scott is a bit further away, but you know I think there are positive longer-term signs. As for Chelsea... It's almost looked a bit familiar so far this season because um, at times they've looked good. In that second half against Liverpool, they were excellent on the opening day, but um, they've kind of slipped back into some sloppy ways as well. And, you know, failure to beat, let alone lose at home to Forest is is quite concerning. Um, the Luton match, they they looked great in, in spells, um, but, uh, you know, they've not had the most testing of fixture lists so far. And, you know, there's just one win on the board so far and lots of the ball, some speculative shots from along sort of long range, low margin areas. And then when they have created good opportunities, um, Nicholas Jackson hasn't been as clinical as they'd hoped. He's he's under firing his XG by about two goals already. So, you know, they went out with this policy of signing young, uh, promising players who will improve year on year. I'm not sort of saying that's the wrong way to go about things, but they do need time to to improve. And I think Pochettino is obviously the right man to, to get the best out of them. We've seen the improvements of Raheem Sterling already. So um, they'll fancy their chances here. Um, what's quite interesting, I think, is the goal markets in this match. We've got BTTS trading around 165 over two and a half goals is around the same price. Uh, the correct score favourites here are 1-1 and Chelsea to win 2-1. 
I agree. I think there will be goals in this game. Um, I don't back Bournemouth to keep a clean sheet, of course. They've already given up 14 big chances. They've faced the most shots in the box so far this season. But I do think they can cause Chelsea problems. So for me, the selection here is to go onto the exchange and back over two and three quarter goals at 1.83. I don't need both teams to contribute. I just need three goals or more to make profit. Three goals exactly is a half stakes win. Four goals or more, we get a full stakes payout. I'd be very surprised if this game goes uh, under two and a half goals just because of the way in which Bournemouth will approach it. But also Chelsea too. Um, they'll you know see this as a winnable opportunity. They've got plenty of attacking firepower uh, and should in theory be winning this match. But Bournemouth, I don't want to dismiss them too soon because I, I still think they're capable and they will only improve too. Well, now it's time for the doctor's prescription where our data doctor, Jake, uses XG and other stats to pick out a goal scorer bet for us. Uh, Jake, you're taking us to La Liga. Yeah, we've got Villarreal taking on Almeria. And um, yeah, I'm focusing on a Villarreal striker because, well, they've had a really struggled or they've struggled so far this season. Villarreal, three points from four games, just a one win. Um, but they've had it. their coach. Yeah, they've had, they had it. kicked out. Tough start, tough start to the season. Um, you know, they played the two home games have been against Real Betis and Barcelona, two teams that finished in the top seven last season. Um, and they welcome an Almeria team who, yeah, they they've started worse, one point from four games. But it's the it's the goals against and the XG against that's really kind of drawn me in. Um, they've conceded nine goals in four matches, eight and a half expected goals, so they're conceding over two XG per game um, and yeah I think this is a good opportunity for Villarreal to to get a w- another win on the board uh, they'll be expecting to and they've shown enough in those two home games granted they lost but they, they really pushed Barcelona close it was a 4-3 defeat in the end and yeah. they created a lot of good chances in that game um, for me to to think that they can get a positive result and looking you know, the 2-5 to five to win the game so we don't want to be back in that um, so if you think they're going to win which I do and they're going to be in for at least a couple of goals um, going down the goal scorer route Alexander Sorloth um, is the, the man that we're going to be backing. Uh, I was hoping we get a bit of a bigger price than we have on the sportsbook, uh, which is even money. You can get it much bigger elsewhere, um, but I would still take it down to even money because I do think Villarreal are going to be in for a couple of goals. And, and in Sorloth, he started the season very well. He scored two goals already. His XG per night is at, at 0.5, but it's not something that's like a flash in the pan. You know, over the course of of his career. Um, like last season, for example, when he was at Real Sociedad, he scored 12 goals in 34 games and averaged 0.58 expected goals per 90 minutes. So um, he's generally hitting that kind of 0.5 marker. Uh, when he was at Leipzig back in 2021, he was he was there again, 0.47, when he had a good long spell uh, of playing time under his belt, uh, 29 games in that in that season. So he's a player that does sh- has shown that he can continue to get on the end of scoring chances. And, and it was a toss-up, really, between him and Gerard Moreno. And Gerard Moreno is a slightly shorter price. Um, and his underlying data so far this season hasn't been as good as Sorloth. So I was quite happy to take Sorloth over Moreno and cheer him on. Yeah, worth bearing in mind as well, if you don't necessarily like the sportsbook price, with goal scoring markets, it's always worth having a look at the exchange closer to the match as well, because you can often on the exchange find uh, a chunkier price with a goal scorer bet 
than you'll find on the sportsbook. Betfair offering a completely free Acker or Bet Builder on football this weekend, but you have to opt in. Maximum bet varies between £1 and £10 per customer. Minimum combined odds of 1.5. T's and C's in the description. 18 plus. See gambleaware.org. In the Bundesliga, I've put together a little bet build of four Darmstadt against Borussia Mönchengladbach. I don't think Darmstadt are up to this level. I didn't think it before the season started. I still don't think it. It was smashed 5-1 by Leverkusen last time out. Although Gladbach's results have been really underwhelming so far, they've had a tough start to the season fixture-wise. I think they can at least avoid defeat here. So you can go for Gladbach draw double chance, over one and a half goals, neither team can defend, and over seven and a half corners, which I always think is a decent marker, at around 2.14. If you want more detail on that, you can check out my weekly Bundesliga column on betting.betfair.com. And finally, we're going to make a rare visit, Mark O'Hare, to MLS. Yeah, so I've kind of sneaked this game into the Sunday show because technically it's a, it's a 1 a.m. kickoff UK time, but uh, I guess it's Saturday <laughs> night. But um... You break are you? <laughs> Crazy you are. Mad. Um, yeah, I'm going to back Montreal to, to beat Chicago Fire at 196. Um, so we're about five, six weeks away from the end of the regular MLS season. Points are obviously getting extra precious now. Uh, Montreal start the weekend in a wild card position. They're only five points away from qualification to the first round of the playoffs. So, uh, so plenty of uh, reason to believe that they're going to push hard now between here and the next five, six weeks. They're playing a Chicago team of three points below them. So it's a bit of a six-pointer in, in the Eastern section. Um, Chicago obviously battling to be involved in those playoffs. But um, Montreal are one of the strongest teams at home in the competition. They've won nine of 13 in Canada, eight clean sheets in those 13 games and conceding just nine goals. Uh, in contrast, Chicago Fire um, are in dreadful form. They've returned from the League Cup, League's Cup, I should say, uh, with four defeats from four, failing to score in three of those four games. And they have a rotten away record of eight defeats and 13, conceding twice or more in eight of 13, conceding 25 goals in total and an XG against of 1.63. But um, so, yeah, Chicago on the road have had fewer shots on target and fewer shots in the box in 10 of their 13 away games. And 10 of the 11 points they have picked up away from home came against current bottom 10 teams in the MLS standings. So, you know, I mentioned those four defeats on the spin. They've given up an average of 1.89 expected goals in those games. They've allowed 12 big chances. And that's despite only one of those four teams appearing in the top 10 of MLS right now. So we're getting very close to even money here in the Montreal side who are averaging 2.05 points per game at home against the Chicago side who are averaging just 0.85 points on their travels, rarely keeping clean sheets and in poor form too. I think this is a great opportunity for Montreal uh, to get the points to, to sort of cement their playoff challenge. Does sound like a bit of a mismatch. Uh, that's all we have time for on this edition of Football Only Better. Please do remember to gamble responsibly. Lots of excellent preview content across uh, the European leagues and indeed beyond that sometimes on our website, betting.betfair.com. Lots of other shows on the Betfair Podcast Network, including Racing Only Better. Our shows have been put onto the new Betfair YouTube channel for non-racing content, so make sure you like and subscribe. The link is in the description. And it is, of course, Champions League, Europa League, Europa Conference League coming up soon, and we have a show ahead of match day one, so make sure you check that out as well when it drops from Jake, from Mark, and from me. It's goodbye for now.